Has your teen asked if they could have their boyfriend or girlfriend sleep over? Or ask if they could sleep over at their house? Oh, it will likely happen. And when it does, what would you say? Okay, hold that thought. This is Speaking of Teens, the podcast that helps parents who are struggling to find peace and connection with their teens. My name is Ann Coleman. I'm an attorney turned parent educator and a mom who's been there. And I'm on a mission to help you build a stronger relationship and decrease the conflict with your kid so you can help them grow into the young adult they're meant to be. I've decided to tackle a rather large and slightly controversial issue today. Should you let your teens have sleepovers with their romantic partners, their boyfriend or girlfriend? Let me tell you, this question has layers. There's a religious layer, a cultural layer, a societal layer, a sexual health layer, a parent-teen relationship layer, and potentially even a political layer. Well, I'm pretty much skipping over the religious and the political layers, but I'll dive headfirst into the rest. I see parents asking this question in forums and Facebook groups, and I faced it with my son when he was in high school and had a steady girlfriend but I never allowed it, or I should say we never allowed it. I just felt it was inappropriate at the time, and actually the thought of it just felt kind of gross. Now, her parents allowed sleepovers, and we certainly discussed birth control with our son and spoke with her mother about it all. We talked about consent. We talked about everything we should talk about, but we just did not allow them to spend the night at our house. But just recently, in our Speaking of Teens Facebook group, one of our members was faced with this very issue and asked the group for advice. Well, my knee-jerk reaction was that I would probably say no after having a big discussion about it, of course. And I even jokingly said, why can't they just do it in their car and not tell us about it like we did? But I said I'd do a little research and post back and do a future episode on the issue. So here we are. Here's the interesting research that I discovered. This research was by Dr. Amy Chalet, who is currently an associate professor of sociology at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, and she's a specialist on adolescent sexuality and culture in comparative perspective. Yeah, we don't really have to know what that means, but anyway, what's important to us is that she spent a decade researching the general fear and anxiety that most parents have about adolescent sexuality and how this impacts our teens. She conducted some massive research and wrote her doctoral thesis on it, which later became a book called Not Under My Roof, Parents, Teens, and the Culture of Sex, which was published back in 2011. In her research and her book, she compared American and Dutch cultures and attitudes about adolescent sexual behavior and revealed some pretty startling differences. And I guess that's what comparative studies means. She compared. Okay. So anyway, the question she had was how the Netherlands and the U.S., two very similar countries as far as economics, education, and reproductive technologies go, how could they be at such completely different ends of the spectrum regarding teen pregnancy rates, the U.S. being much higher than the Netherlands. Back in the early aughts and now, the U.S. leads the Western world 
in teen pregnancies. The current rate is 13.5 pregnancies per 1,000 15 to 19 year old girls. And in case you're interested, I'll have all the stats in the show notes. And hey, the UK and New Zealand, they're not far behind us. So anyway, but way down at the bottom, as it was in 2011, is the Netherlands with three pregnancies per 1,000 15 to 19 year old girls. The only countries that beat it out now are Norway, Denmark, and Switzerland, all with two pregnancies per 1,000. So hold on, I'm getting to whether or not your kid should be spending the night with their boyfriend or girlfriend, a question that is strongly tied to why there is such a difference between these countries' teen pregnancy rates and the rates of abortions and STDs, STIs, all of that good stuff. So Dr. Chalet wanted to know why, if all teenagers are biologically the same and both Dutch and American teens become sexually active on average, have sex for the first time ever at about age 17, and the countries are so similar, why the huge difference in the sex-related statistics? Why are American teens getting pregnant at more than four times the rate of Dutch teens. Well, it boils down to culture and society, which of course inform public policies, like what schools teach in the way of sex education, medical procedures, medical practices, access to contraception, privacy issues, all of these things. So let's do a little comparing. If you look at the history of premarital sex in Dutch society, you realize that up until the mid-1960s, it was really frowned upon, even more so than in the States, if that's even possible. It was an extremely traditional society. But interestingly, the sexual revolution of the 1960s, which ushered in the pill and other modern contraceptives, began to change the whole attitude in the Netherlands about sex before marriage. I mean... Now that you can effectively prevent pregnancy, you can loosen up a bit, right? By the early 1980s, the Dutch mindset for three out of five adults had shifted from the traditional abstinence before marriage to sex before marriage is fine as long as the girl is in love with the boy. So over a period of a couple of decades in the Netherlands, the media, academia, doctors, and even the clergy all migrated over to a very common sense approach to premarital sex. There was a huge cultural shift. So they emphasized teaching teens to understand the responsibilities that accompany having sex, like emphasizing effective contraception use. Doctors readily prescribe the pill for teenage girls without their parents' permission or knowledge, and girls who are 16 or older could get an abortion without parental consent. The way shall I put it, the Dutch public health policy has given adolescents the right and responsibility to make decisions about their sexual behavior and reproductive health. And admittedly, that's a tough one since we know teens don't have the ability to always make great decisions. But here's the crazy thing. During this early shift from you are not going to have premarital sex in the late 60s and early 70s to okay, you're going to have sex, so let's make sure you're protected in the early 1980s. The pregnancy rate for teens in the Netherlands plummeted. 
So their attitude about premarital sex loosened with an emphasis on responsibility and protection, and the rates teenagers were getting pregnant dropped to the lowest in the world at that time, in about 2011, now only surpassed by three countries by one per 1,000 girls. And the evidence shows that Dutch teens end up with fewer sexual partners, use contraception more often and more effectively than American teens. I'm sure I don't have to tell you that the same cultural societal shift did not happen in the U.S. Pregnancy rates for teens increased during the 70s and 80s. It's been steadily declining since the 1990s, but according to the CDC, we're still at 13.5 pregnancies per 1,000 teenage girls between 15 and 19, still more than four times that of the Netherlands. And the rates of STDs among this age group has risen during this time. The U.S. is at the top of the heap in the Western world for teen pregnancies, abortions, pre-Supreme Court ruling, and live births. So what does U.S. society and culture emphasize regarding teens and sex? Well, in the U.S., according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, only 24 states and D.C. mandate sex education in schools. 37 states require that when sex ed is taught in schools, that abstinence must be included in that educational program. 26 states require that abstinence be emphasized. Only 13 states require that the information taught must be medically accurate, and only 18 states, NDC, require that information on contraception be provided at all. Teens in most states in the U.S. can also get medical birth control without parental consent, but the rules kind of vary from state to state. A 1977 Supreme Court case affirmed the constitutional right to privacy for a minor to obtain contraceptives in all the states. And why did the Supreme Court need to decide this? Because people fought to make sure teens couldn't get birth control without their parents signing off on it. Is that just because they wanted to know if their kid was having sex or to keep them from having sex? We don't know. And of course, we all know what's happened with the latest Supreme Court ruling on anyone's right to an abortion. So that's public policy in the U.S. That's our culture and our overall societal norms, which we can clearly see is not doing our teens any good when we look at the research and the statistics. And on an individual level, a familial level, how does our culture and our societal norms about teenage sex impact our parenting? What are parents' attitudes about teen sexuality in the U.S. compared to that in the Netherlands? This is where we finally get to examine the big sleepover question. Amy Chalet, again, the researcher and the author of Not Under My Roof that I mentioned earlier, asked parents in both countries many questions but one in particular was, would you permit your teen to spend the night with a girlfriend or boyfriend in his or her room at home? She then followed up with why or why not and other clarifying questions. When she asked parents in the U.S., nine out of ten answered, what do you think their answer was? Of course, it was no way. Not while they're still in high school, not under my roof. 
But in the Netherlands, nine out of 10 of those parents had either already allowed a sleepover or would consider allowing it if their kid was 16 or 17 and the circumstances were right. Again, the U.S. teen pregnancy rate is four and a half times that of the Netherlands. Four and a half times. So let's dig a little further and figure out what it is we're missing in the U.S., and the UK, and New Zealand, and several other countries, by the way, Chalet found several overarching mindsets or concerns with American parents that she did not find with the Dutch parents. Number one, the raging hormones issue. American parents were quoted saying things like, girls and boys are completely hormonally driven, and that boys testosterone is bubbling over and that those hormones kick in early, we tend to see this metaphorical hormone-induced state of being that they are all just completely at the whim of their raging sex hormones. That's what Americans say, that they are just totally under this mind control and cannot possibly control their primal urges. And we do know that self-control is not their forte during adolescence. But we also know that teenagers are not totally driven by sex hormones. That is just not true. The second thing she found was that American parents are also hyper-focused on the horrible consequences that could befall their teenager if they have sex. Pregnancy, disease, abortion, parenting, being stuck with another person forever, the list goes on. They mention things like ruining their life forever and making a huge mistake. It appears that the prevailing view of parents in the U.S. is that teens simply do not have the power to control their sexual urges to say no or to remember to use a condom or take personal responsibility for birth control or the consequences of not using birth control. And as an aside, many parents are also under the mistaken assumption that teens think they're invincible. This is not true. They know the consequences, but because of their brain's revved up reward system, they just weigh those consequences against the fun they want to have, and they often decide to hell with the consequences. I want to have fun. The fun in the moment simply outweighs the downside of the possible consequence. So a lot of these parents said, it's not so much the having sex that concerns them as it is the consequences of having sex. Many American families have rules like the bedroom door must always be open if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend in there, or no boyfriend or girlfriend at all in the bedroom, no boyfriend or girlfriend at the house unless we're home. And I did all of this. I admit it. We see ourselves as their managing director, their protector, and their guardian because we don't believe that they could possibly control their sexual urges. So it's no wonder that American parents are like, no, no one is spending the night or sleeping in the same bed anywhere, especially not under my roof, which is what she named her book, of course. All right, next, she also found that American parents are also very skeptical that teenagers are capable of actually falling in love. The general attitude is that they don't know what love is. They just think they do. And American parents see a major difference between the sexes as far as this goes, as in boys just want to get laid and girls want intimacy and love. <laughs> 
boys are oafs and girls are princesses. We see boys and girls with totally opposite goals in the dating realm. This seems to be true no matter how conservative or progressive the parent. The parents tend to believe girls are pushed into having sex by the boys and that they don't want to do such a thing. Dads in America are especially protective of daughters and parents feel that the emotional costs to their daughters are much higher than to their sons. But then again, moms worry about their sons getting trapped by a girl who gets pregnant. Again, these are all things that Dutch parents do not think about or talk about. So because of all these competing interests between girls and boys, the raging hormones, the consequences of sex, American parents feel that they have to keep their teens from becoming too seriously entangled in a romantic relationship and allowing a sleepover would totally sabotage that goal. Even with all of these worries, many American parents do still want to help their child protect themselves should they decide to have sex. The more liberal they are, the more likely they are to have a hand in helping them protect themselves. But it appears we don't necessarily want to know about them having sex, and we sure as hell don't want them doing it under our roof, not in my house. This is something that American parents repeated over and over in her research. It's inappropriate. It's uncomfortable. It's icky. It's not the example I want to set for them. It's giving them a license to do whatever they please. It's at home. It's not the time or the place. These were the comments that she got. Compared to the Dutch parents, Americans are totally upfront about how uncomfortable they are in confronting their own kids' sexuality. Here's one quote. In a way, it's better not to have it so blatant, to do things a little more secretively, like I was raised. We were on the sly and in secret. It seems a little better that way, rather than blatant in front of your parents about it. Another theme American parents shared was that their kids should be completely independent and on their own before they would sanction their sexual relationships, like living on their own, being financially independent, even living together or being married before they'd let them sleep in the same room together at their house. Now, I'll admit, even after my son was 20 years old and living with his girlfriend in Colorado, I just did not want them sleeping in the same bed here at the house at first. I just didn't like it. I couldn't really tell you why. I just didn't like it. So for all these reasons, most American parents feel it's a no-brainer. No, I'm not letting my 16-year-old spend the night at his or her girlfriend's or boyfriend's house or vice versa, whatever. It's just not acceptable. My house, my rules. And 9 out of 10 Dutch parents had either already allowed a sleepover or would consider it if their kid was 16 or 17 and the circumstances were right. So how does the Dutch attitude differ from the Americans? One thing that Chalet found was that the Dutch feel the teenagers are much more capable of deciding when they're ready to have sex. They even have a specific term for it. And part of that being ready is to take sensible preventive measures to prevent disease and pregnancy. One mom said that she always told her daughter, if you are ready, say it honestly and use the pill. 
Another set of parents told her that they felt it was simply stupid to try to avoid giving teenagers the opportunity to have sex. Quote, they need to determine that themselves. They can do that provided that you have spoken about it with them and that you have pointed out the dangers and consequences to them. And if they know all that, they can handle it. <sighs> yeah, so that's not what we think, is it? Dutch parents feel more confident in their kids' ability to know when they're ready, when they see them taking their sexual development slowly, and they obviously talk these things out. Because one parent told her that for the first few months that her daughter and boyfriend spent the night together, they only slept, even though they were, quote, crazy about each other. Other parents said, yes, my son or daughter took it step by step in their relationship with their boyfriend or girlfriend up to the point when they had sex and that it happened after many sleepovers. Even dad said about their daughters, and I'm saying this from an American culture perspective because it's just so opposite, but Dutch dad said that they didn't worry about their daughters getting pregnant or catching a disease. One said, quote, no, she is 16, almost 17, and I think she knows very well what matters and what can happen. And if that she is ready, I would let her be ready. These parents have obviously talked to their kids a lot over time about their sexual development, how to know when they're ready for sex, how to use contraceptives properly, what to be careful of, how to take it slowly and they trust them to handle it. That's the reasoning they give for being comfortable with sleepovers. But it also doesn't sound like they're all just totally nonchalant about it either. For example, one parent said, you know, if Annika were to come home one day and just tell us like, Johnny is sleeping over tonight, that would scare the living daylights out of us, of course. But I doubt Johnny will just show up out of the blue. I think that he will come by the house and that I'll hear about him and that she'll talk about him. And yes, that really is a gradual thing. A second way in which Dutch parents view their teens' sexual activity differently from us in the U.S. is, well, for one thing, they don't call it sexual activity. They look at it from more of a relational point of view of two people having a courtship and not of a girl's point of view versus a boy's point of view and seeing them as competing interests. They actually assume that teenagers can and often do fall in real love, not puppy love like we often refer to it here in the States. And again, the difference in the fathers in the U.S., Shelley points out that they tend to be more protective of daughters here and more attaboy with sons, but the Dutch seem to treat both sons and daughters the same, and they seem to not treat them differently regarding a sleepover either. Notably, only one Dutch parent even mentioned hormones, and she did so in the context of love. When asked what makes a teenager ready for sex, she said, Quote, at a certain moment, those hormones begin to rage, and who knows, it may be the love of your life. There's a biological component, of course, but in addition to that, there is something very emotional. She went on to explain that the something very emotional could be real love. 
She says, of course, at 16, you can and do really love. Hey there, real quick, I want you to know about something that if you're anything like me, an anxious ADHD overthinker, you may really need. It's my free guide, Emotional Awareness Strategies. Being emotionally aware is the key to managing your emotions with your kids or anyone else. Inside, I talk to you about the common thinking traps, being able to differentiate between your emotions, and the importance of mindfulness. If you're a yeller, lecturer, crier, or punisher, you need this guide. The link is at the very bottom of the episode description where you're listening. Back to the show. It also appears that unlike American parents who tend to fear their teenager will become too emotionally attached or entangled while simultaneously doubting that it's real love, the Dutch look at it as one reason that they do allow sleepovers. When they see their teen and their romantic partner, quote, really care about each other, that it isn't just a passing fancy, it seems that many of the Dutch parents don't like the idea of a casual sex or one night stand. They feel sex should be something that happens in a relationship and they would not allow sleepovers unless that's the case. This quote sums it up. I can't have such an old fashioned reaction that the girlfriend has to sleep somewhere else while he is in his bedroom. Then I would be fooling myself because at night they'll sleep together anyway. No, to want them to sleep separately would feel childish. But if it's just a girl he's going out with, and next time it's another girl and then another, no, I don't find that pleasant. No, I don't want that. Dutch parents also feel that to discuss sex with their kids is as natural and normal as talking about a play date. And we're talking about kids here. They say it should be as common as any conversation and not something that you make a big deal about like we do in the U.S. when we call it the talk. They see it as a natural thing that it's not scary or special like we do. They also don't see sexuality as something that should be secret or hidden or cause a barrier or conflict between parents and kids. Even if they feel a kid is too young to be having sex, they don't want to shut down the conversation because they don't want their child to end up hiding anything from them. Young people there apparently do tell their parents much more than American kids tell theirs. Parents and kids talk about everything and keep everything out in the open. One mom says that sexuality, having sex, used to be a big secret to be something, you know, to be hidden. But she says that she really likes the way it is today because teenagers, quote, ask and tell everything at home. I mean, wow. Just to drive this home, listen to this quote of a mom talking about her son, Harm. She says, Harm tells me, now I French kissed. And then we become weak with laughter because he tells me what he did with them. That is nice. It's so innocent and open. The overall attitude is that Dutch parents accept the sleepover as much better than their kids doing things in secret, causing a division of sorts between them and their kids. They say that they know that forbidding them to have sex doesn't mean they're not going to have sex. 
It just means they do it elsewhere and out of sight. Now, one mom did say, of course, she doesn't want secrets and wants her kids to be open, but adds, I mean, I'm not going to jump up and down with joy in front of their bedroom door. So that paints a pretty clear emotional picture, doesn't it? It seems that the Dutch parents are willing to get comfortable in their discomfort. They accept their teen's natural sexuality as something normal. And rather than going to the extremes that we American parents mostly do to sort of separate our teen's sexuality from our family's home life, the Dutch want to avoid that separation between their home and their kids. They see it as something that can be integrated. The way you can look at it is that the Dutch put their own emotions like embarrassment and fear out of the equation, and they consider how their response to their child's sexuality will impact their child's behavior and their relationship with that child now and in the future. It's not only parents who emphasize the normalization of teen sexuality in the Netherlands. Even though sex education isn't mandatory, it's usual. And when it is taught, the emphasis is on knowing yourself, understanding when you're ready, open dialogue, having respect and love for your partner, how to have a relationship, gradually learning with your partner, understanding all the different feelings, proper and effective use of contraception, it's way different there. It's a universe away from what kids learn in the U.S., even with the most thorough sex education curriculum. I could go on and on about how even the government promotes these same themes, but I think you've got the idea. And even Chalet, when she did the research, she said she would still not tell anyone to just be like the Dutch and let your kids have sleepovers with boyfriends or girlfriends, or at least not if the goal is to lower pregnancy rates like in the Netherlands. That is a very simplistic view of how culture and societies and governments and families work. To get the same results as far as pregnancy rates go, countrywide, everything would have to shift exactly to the way it is in the Netherlands, and that's just not going to happen. But you're not trying to lower the pregnancy rate across the whole country, are you? No. You might be facing the question of the dreaded sleepover, though. You're trying to protect your teen, maybe from raging hormones, from being pressured to have sex, of getting too attached too young, from getting pregnant or getting a disease or God knows what else, right? I get it. Those issues have been ingrained into our collective psyche, but can you entertain for the moment that our collective psyche could be wrong? Maybe not 100% wrong, okay, but let's at least try to look at this more objectively, more rationally and relationally, even more scientifically. This could mean doing things differently from the way we were raised, from the way our neighbor sees it, the way our preacher, rabbi, priest, imam, or minister tells it. If we just unclench our jaw a little bit, open our minds, and see our teenagers' sexuality as simply another natural, normal, gradual process that happens during this long period of adolescence, perhaps we will be a little less freaked out and better able to talk to them about it and guide them in it 
even if you're not ready or willing to jump on the sleepover bandwagon, and I'm not saying whether you should or shouldn't, I think we have to admit that the way the Dutch parents approach sexuality with their teens makes a lot of sense. It's just like we say to approach everything with our teens in an open, honest, non-judgmental, and loving way. If you treat their sexuality as something to be kept secret, it will be. If you treat it as something to be embarrassed about or ashamed of, they will be. If you treat it as something not to be done under your nose, it likely won't be, but where will they be doing it if they do it? Giving them accurate information, teaching them that only they can know when they're ready, allowing for the fact that they can fall in love, that they can make decisions about this part of their life, that they can take responsibility for birth control with guidance. It apparently works for a whole country, so maybe it can work for your family. That's it for Speaking of Teens today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your yoga class, your PTA, your coworkers, your softball team, your runner's club, everybody you know. And please join us in the Speaking of Teens Facebook group. The link is right there at the very bottom of the show description in your app. Until next time, remember, a little change goes a long way.